Hi, this is Lisa Tamati, bringing you Pushing the Limits, the show that gets deep into the psyche of limit pushers across all genres. Out-of-the-box thinkers, cutting-edge researchers, leaders, athletes, academics, entrepreneurs and social change innovators and more. Cutting to the chase to unlock the secrets of their success, their achievements, their philosophies and motivation. Join me in my quest to find out what makes the movers and shakers of our world tick and what gems of wisdom we can take from their experiences. Brought to you by runninghotcoaching.com, the platform that helps you achieve your health and fitness goals. Right, we're on Pushing the Limits here with Mickey Willardin, and she is a nutritionist, PhD, and she's also an endurance athlete, and Mickey is uh, an advisor to the stars, basically, on what they should be eating and how they should be, um, how you should be eating properly and being healthy for life. Lisa, I love it. Advisor <laughs> to the stars. Exactly. That's right. Yeah, pretty much... Um, sums up my background as well as um, a um, phys ed degree too so I've kind of got the the I guess the science knowledge of of run training along with the um, the experience of endurance runner because I, I have to say that having that sport experience really helps as a practitioner because yes. we kind of understand the practicalities of the advice that's out there and that's yeah. probably really helped my um, helped my clients with the advice that I give them as well because you've got the sports nutrition principles yep which are um, you there at one end of the spectrum and then you've actually got what I do with my clients which is at almost the other end of the spectrum if you like yes so you're like you're a bit of an overachiever <laughs> You've got, oh, a PhD, you've got a phys ed degree, you're also a top athlete and have been a top athlete in your in your life. Um, you're taking it a little bit easier now, but um, how do you find time to do all this and be so, you know, because this show is called Pushing the Limits and yeah. so we, you know, want to see what makes people tick that, that are overachievers that are in pursuit of excellence all the time. Yeah, no, Lisa, it's such a good question and that's something which I talk to a lot of my clients about as well because anyone who's probably listening to this podcast and you are exactly the same, I'm sure, type A's. And so <laughs> we constantly, we're, we're almost like are on the wire the entire time and because you place your body under so much stress through the training but then you are, you're successful in your career with your family or whatever it is that you do, you, you do run the risk of kind of burning out. Oh, yes. And so, and, and probably we are the, the worst offenders for it as well. So I think over the last few years, I've made some changes to, um, I guess, the things that I do daily and also just uh, probably on a weekly basis to help just regroup and get that balance. Yeah, because you're exactly right. It is really hard to be... <sighs> achieving a lot and not losing the plot and becoming overstressed and then getting adrenal fatigue and all those types yep. of things, which yep. you'd be another expert on in, in the yep. nutrition sense. Um, and then also, can I can I just add that that as a it's the hardest thing that I do in my job is selling the idea of meditation <laughs> and of sleep. And that these things are as important because people will readily 
do a diet. They will readily take my prescription. I don't, not, it's not a prescription, but take, you know, my individualized guidelines and go, yep, I can do this. Like someone like will come to you, Lisa, and will take your coaching and go, yep, I can do this. But as soon as you say to them, I want you to do headspace for 10 minutes a day, Honestly, it's like pulling teeth. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I do get the same thing with with um, people that come to me for running coaching and they just want to smash out miles. They don't want to do technique. They don't want to do mobility. They don't want to strengthen conditioning. They don't want the psychology. They just want to run the miles. And that is a massive problem. And I presume, you know, you're having the same exactly sort of issues. It's the same thing. <laughs> well, let's make, like, the thing is, like, with training and with nutrition, it's, it's almost, well, with... It's almost it's in the recovery periods and it's in that downtime where you actually can make the difference. Like the perfect diet in the world will not help anyone meet their health or sport goals if they are in if they don't take care of their stress levels or their sleep and their body's ability to actually utilise the nutrients effectively. So actually let's start there. Stress mm. levels, hormones, um, you hear a lot about estrogen dominance, adrenal exhaustion, um, mm. those sorts of issues. So let's, you know, because that is obviously um, a good point to start at. Yeah, sure. Let's, let's talk about that. How, how much okay. does stress and the release of cortisol, too high estrogen levels, uh, what, what does that do to our body? Well, it, it pretty much when, so stress is important and it's essential for um, health and well-being and to build resilience. And so it's not the actual stress hormones that are an issue in themselves um, because they're vital. It's the overproduction and the chronic release of them. So when our body, and I'll be quite simplistic about it probably, um, but when your body releases stress hormones, um, that tells your liver to dump glucose into your bloodstream. Oh, okay. Because... uh, Evolutionarily speaking, we that was required for the fight or flight for our survival mechanism because when we were stressed, a stressed situation meant that we were having to run for our lives yep. or we were having to fight for our lives. Whereas now, modern day, if you like, um, our body's constantly under stress. And people who are um, uh, athletes um, who put their, place their body under stress, um, the same thing occurs because the stress will have that effect on the um, blood sugar levels, but stress hormones also increase oxidation of cells and oxidate mm-hmm. and um, cell damage. Mm-hmm. And that creates inflammation. So it all kind of, in a, in a roundabout way, it all ends up in the same place, like elevated um, blood glucose, elevated insulin, um, increased inflammation. From an athletic perspective, that's going to um, inhibit recovery time and then also... Oh, sorry, it's going to inhibit recovery. Yep. And then it's going to mean that the sessions that they do on a day-to-day basis, they won't get as much as they require out of those sessions because they're not recovering effectively and they're not going to get as fit as they want to be. They're not going to perform at their best. So it's going so, to that cascade. So the stress is um, probably one of the first things that we should address before even training or before diet um, because it's a big part of the puzzle. It is, and it's, an, it's a necessary part because that's how we adapt and grow is by putting our bodies under stress. But that's that stress overload, which is, which is an issue. And people normalise stress. So people who have been under significant stress for a period of time, they will, they will, their perception of 
what's stressful might be um, a, a little bit, might be skewed. So for example, I'll sit down with someone and they'll go, oh, I'm not stressed at all. I'm not at all stressed. But you can see by the way that they're holding themselves, by the way that they're talking, that actually their whole body is like this absolute stress ball. <laughs> um, and, you know, and the thing is with, you mentioned like adrenal fatigue and, and what happens is that over time, because you get this constant production of cortisol, um, your body... Um, it loses the ability to produce stress hormones, and that's when the fatigue can um, um, can start to occur. And that that does take. I mean, it's individual as to how long that might take for someone, but it may be over the course of years. It may be over the course of months. Um, and how do you like like I have athletes who have adrenal fatigue, and mm. um, it, it's a bit of a catch twenty two as a coach because you're you're wanting to tr- to train them to get them stronger for their events or whatever they've got planned. At the yeah. same time, you know that they need time out from training. Um, what's your advice there, and what? How can they still keep training, but um, you know, not blow themselves Manager. apart managing it? Yeah. Well, do you know um, your your listeners aren't going to like this, but. Um, if someone is in a state of adrenal fatigue and it's been and they've had their salivary cortisol measured and it's absolutely tanked, or it's on the on the verge of tanking, then basically I um, usually work with a coach because um, I have quite a good relationship with um, a triathlon coach. Is, is or I would get in contact with the coach and say, look, I think your athlete needs to really cut back on the training. If there's an event coming up, it's actually better for that athlete to forgo doing the event so the stress of not doing the event not training for the event is not in their head and they take the time out to recover from a nutrition aspect gluten and dairy and caffeine and alcohol are four major stresses on the adrenal glands all those good things that we love all the good things that we love (laughs) yeah and oftentimes there's some gut issues in in there as well because that may be creating some inflammation which can increase cortisol so that's another reason why we want to remove things which might irritate the gut because it could cause that stress response again so if Um, you've got an athlete who's got a a event so they can't get out of it they're committed they're going to the olympics or something like that yeah so the other way to attack it would be with adrenal support Supplements and getting rid of some of these, these um, you know, the gluten, dairy, alcohol, coffee. Um. Yeah, oh, absolutely, getting nutrients in, which... Um, so I think the first thing to do is know what it is you're treating, and I think testing is actually really important. How do they do that, for example? Yeah, a lot of people think that blood test for cortisol is the best one, and it's not. Mm-hmm. So science um, has, has shown that, the, that it's much more... Um, stable in the saliva right. so you would do a test you would you it's a practitioner only test so you have to work with a practitioner and they call up a company and you um, they ship you a um, cortisol salivary test and you do it at four times across the day mm. um, to show what your what your cortisol is doing across the day because it's um, excuse me for some people it might be that you have cortisol dysregulation so your cortisol is high when it should be low mm-hmm. um, particularly problematic if you are you know trying to get to sleep and your cortisol's rising again where really it should be um, at its lowest um, uh, and you can see it w- at what points you may need um, particular supplements to help support cortisol regulation right and then once you know what's going on you then want to look at maximizing the nutrients in your diet 
and also with supplemental support because you do need it if you're not in a state of good health yep. um, to help um, support the adrenal glands amongst other things. But behavior has to come into it. So um, so I, kn- I know it's it must be really challenging for an athlete who cannot get out of a sporting event, mm. but, but exercise-wise, training for no more than an hour, short, sharp stuff of, but not but not short sharp for an entire hour, but maybe 10 minutes, something which yep. isn't going to tax the adrenals, um, um, are pretty much the, the um, I guess, the recommendations. Because yes, yep. if you want to be healthy body, and longevity and, you know, as an athlete. Yeah, that's the thing. And so this event, it's, I know it's a, it might be a crucial event, but they may do this event and that might be the end of them. Whereas... Yep. Maybe it's a better decision for some people who can is to kind of go, okay, well, if I forego this event and get my health back, I'm going to be stronger. Can I ask you, like, this is a, a bit of a personal question out of my yeah. um, history, for example. Um, when I did the run through New Zealand, um, yeah. three months prior, I'd run through Death Valley. I'd been going hard out for years getting to that yeah. point. I'd done that for the second year. Um, did the Commonwealth Champs 24 hour Champs six weeks later and then six weeks after that started the run 2200 case through New Zealand with a whole project and all the stresses that were involved with that I've never been the same since oh, what yeah. um, as far as uh, the depth of my resilience is concerned um, my mental ability to withstand suffering which you know was phenomenal before um, I don't have those depths of, of reserve anymore. Um, and, yeah, the adrenal exhaustion, I mean, it's four years ago now, and I think I'm coming out the other end of it, but it's definitely been a hard road back oh, because Lisa. of that. Would you say that that was adrenal exhaustion, no doubt? And I would, I would absolutely say it was. I think that... You're almost in, like you're such an amazing athlete, and as you say, it's that mental fortitude that got you through it. Yep. A lesser athlete would have would have done a third of what you'd have done, and then would have um, probably wiser. That's enough. And so it almost was the undoing of you. Lisa, yeah. Um, yeah. In, in a way, um, well, not only the undoing, but definitely I had to take a change of direction in the in the years that have you know come after that um, with with my career's going and it certainly uh, still has effect now on, on what I'm planning because for me I want to have longevity now and being able to yeah. run when I'm 80 and, and yeah, do, yeah. A, do 100 k's when I'm 80 if I can you know. I hear um, you I'm the same. Yeah and for that's far more important for me having gone through that complete process of complete breakdown physically um, and I want to be able to stop that happening for my athletes yeah okay and you know it's um it's inter- it can be so individual as to as to how big a hole people dig themselves in mm. as to how long it will take to get out and I think that that's when these these things which might not seem so important are really important it's you know recognizing that now your resilience may not be so strong that for you supplements that help support your Adrenals are actually probably more of a um, an everyday thing yep. rather than a rather than a um, just to have if you're feeling particularly stressed or run down or something like that. Mm. 
I think looking after your gut is essentially is essential, yep. particularly as athletes, because of the inflammation that that can occur just through the oxidation of um, of cells and the um, well, you know, the normal, I guess, um, the breakdown exercise of, of metabolites. And, yeah. Exactly. So when you yeah. basically just putting it into clear terms for people, when you exercise, yeah. you're actually breaking down your muscles, you're using yeah. up your glucose, you're you're producing free radicals. From what I understand, I'm a, a lay on this. Um, correct me if I'm wrong so you're actually tearing your body apart <laughs> and then it's the rest and recovery where you strengthen yourself and you actually get better but it can have the opposite effect if you're already under stress it can and, and if you don't ha- um, allow the adequate recovery and it's going to look different for everyone I think mm. um, so the younger um more I guess the younger athletes tend to get away with more yeah than what we older <laughs> athletes do now. Um, and and so probably out, outside of what you do in training, because, you know, we need that stress to get better at training, but that's it's that recovery and it's looking at the other stresses and reducing them in our lives where possible hmm. so we can still achieve in our sport. And I think that's really important. Right, now um, let's... Um, sorry to cut you off there but let's like mm. go and look at the other end of the scale so people mm. who haven't started out on a, on a fitness journey who mm. perhaps are severely overweight maybe got mm. diabetes other autoimmune um, problems mm-hmm. what do you do what do you advise them when they come to see you and how do you start how does your um, a visit to your to you and your clinic look like and what what can you do to help people yeah sure so basically I um if someone's coming to me with a metabolic health issue, like weight, like um, high cholesterol, and that may or may not be a problem, it, it really depends, but high blood sugar, pretty much my approach is whole food. I'm a real food nutritionist, mm-hmm. and, and I'm, I'm by no means um, perfect myself, mm-hmm. and, and what I mean by that is that I also want to be practical for people. That's great. So, Good so hear. things like, you know, it would be awesome if we could all grow everything in our garden and yeah. have chickens at a free range and have organic meat and, and things like that. But I, I recognise that for some people, cost is a real oh, yeah. um, um, prohibitive thing. Um, but the more that we can get rid of the processed food in our diet, the better we are because it's the processed food which creates inflammation that starts the cascade of the health problems that lead people to my door, essentially. So, um, yeah, like 75% of our food in our supermarkets is processed nowadays. So what are people, yep. what, what's in the, that, that rubbish that we're eating? Yep. Typically, it's processed refined carbohydrate. So whenever you read something that says, like cereals are such a, a, a perfect example of this, made with whole grains, right? Yeah. Everything was a whole grain once. You know, and it doesn't mean that it's a whole grain now. And the only real whole grain we've probably got left is like barley, and no one really eats that. So um, it's the processed refined carbohydrates because our body, because all the work has basically gone out of, um, uh, um, all the work's been taken care of in terms of digest processing it, yep. it will basically be processed really quickly in our body. But it's not only that, it's the quality of the ingredients too. So wheat nowadays is is produced so differently from wheat back in the 1900s. It's, it's now produced so it has um, a higher yield and yep. it's, it's bigger and, it, um, and it's also um, sprayed with, um, with things such as, um, what is it? 
I know that I can't remember the chemical term. I should glycosphates, but I might yep. be wrong. But it's Roundup basically, yes. <laughs> because when you spray something with Roundup, it's going to yield a greater seed. Right. Um, but what happens is that there are subsidies over in the states, which basically the farmers get farmers get for producing more wheat and more corn. Yep. And so that's why there's this proliferation in our food supply, and with it are the vegetable oils, which are byproducts of the wheat and corn, um, canola oil, soybean oil which are also put into processed food um, uh-huh. with sugar to make it taste good, salt to make it taste good, altogether being that health bomb. Uh, so, in other words, what our grandparents ate isn't available to us now uh, because a lot of people argue, oh, I don't need supplements, you know, I just eat a good healthy food. Um, well, how the hell are you getting your healthy food? Because unless you're, you know, living on a farm and eating 100% organic, this is the sort of crap that we're getting dished up in the supermarket. Yeah, and it is. And also, like, our soil's really depleted of minerals, and it, it never used to be. So things like iodine, selenium magnesium, we don't get them readily in, in the foods that should be high in them anyway, other than yep. Brazil nuts for your selenium yep. um, and of seafood for iodine, but basically from what we grow, yep. um, we don't get them. And also um, vitamin D is another one, which I, you know, I have certain um, supplement recommendations which are almost blanket, like across the board, people should be taking these and vitamin D um, is, is crucial. For that as well. Yeah, that's. So, I mean, those are the things that I've been taking, uh, and zinc as well is another one. I think that's oh, quite a definitely. Yeah, um, and that's yeah. So pretty much anybody who is listening, who's just eating out of the supermarket, will be deficient in those without even having done I, the tests and so on. Yeah, yeah. I I would. You know, it's all individual, but particularly if you think about the roles of these nutrients in the body. So, vitamin D is the backbone hormone in your stress hormones, your thyroid hormones, and your sex hormones. And there's something called this pregnenolone steel, which you don't have to understand, but all you need to know is that when you're stressed, your body will preferentially utilize that vitamin D for stress hormones, meaning there's less available for thyroid, less available for sex hormone metabolism. So someone that might already have a hormonal imbalance, but who's also stressed, this will exacerbate that because there's less of the available nutrients for those um, those processes. So if you're not like got it, a good libido, go and get some vitamin D. Yeah, well, <laughs> absolutely. And, and for guys especially, you know, like be, like that guys think that lower testosterone is this inevitable um, you know, aging, part of training. Yeah, yeah. And oh, aging yeah, yeah. doesn't have to be that way. Mm. They just put their body under so much stress and mm. might have a pretty crap diet that, and, you know, they're not going to get what they need. So that's good news, guys. Go and get some vitamin D and ladies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and liver. If you think about where you actually, this, this is the other thing. So those, so liver is a brilliant source of iron, of zinc, and it's one of the dietary sources of vitamin D. Who eats it these days? Nobody. I mean, yeah. To be honest with you, the thought of eating liver makes me go, ooh. Lisa, you've got to change that. <laughs> You're honestly, from what you've just told me, you can fry it with some bacon, yep. with some spinach and mushrooms, and some coconut oil or butter. Delicious. And salt. Add salt. And salt. <laughs> and, and can I also add for athletes who, this is one thing I talk to a lot of people about, um, is that we actually need salt 
in the if your if your diet is the real food diet which we are both talking about here yep, not processed. then you're not yeah we're not going to get the kind of sodium that we need and particularly people who suffer from adrenal fatigue you really need salt because that's what your that's what um, your adrenals um, uh, uh, really require and it's it's salt in the context of a processed food diet that we were describing the supermarket foods yes it is a real issue so that so sodium's too much in the process, but if we're eating well, we're probably not getting enough sodium, especially for it, athletes. That's exactly right. Okay. Exactly right. Yeah, because I'm always being criticised for putting salt on my food, and to be honest, I need that salt. I know I can feel it, um, and you know, obviously train heaps. Um, so I've never thought it was an issue. But I'm so glad. <laughs> yeah, but obviously, yeah, that, that is a another one of our electrolyte deficiencies. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So that's despite the fact that it's covered in everything if it's processed. Yep. Right, electrolytes, let's look at those. So you've got your sodium, yes. you've got uh, potassium, your magnesium. Uh, yeah. What else have you got? you got, um, now that, yeah, I think that's most of them, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's probably all that we need to worry about. Yeah, the most crucial ones. Now, I've had, I mean, doing ultra marathons and doing things in deserts and stuff, I know that I must have my electrolytes um what's the best way to get your electrolytes and when you're on the run do you like i try to steer my athletes away from the likes of the power aids and i don't even like saying them on air because i think they're terrible (laughs) um i I get them taking uh, tablets in tablet form um to cover their bases because i've seen um i've had a tetany seizure before do you know what a tetany seizure is I can I I don't know specifically, but I can only imagine. It's a uh, potassium deficiency to the nth degree, and I've wow. nearly lost a friend to it, and I nearly died in um, Alaska with it. Goodness. And basically, yeah, potassium to the, uh, is completely depleted over weeks and weeks of training, and yeah. um, I've seen yeah what what can happen, and you don't get your electrolytes right. Yeah, uh, and isn't it? And so in the body, your we need sodium to hold on to potassium, right? Okay. So, so if you don't have it, like we would, and if you're constantly depleting your body of electrolytes and not repleting, then yep. it's an issue. And this is the thing. So so if we go right back to the basic thing, which we think about with electrolytes is cramping, right? Yes. Yep. And that's why people say you need electrolytes. And, and then when they're racing and they're cramping and they're like, well, obviously I need to take on board more electrolytes during my running. Yep. But actually, where you... That what the research has shown is that has makes very little difference to whether or not people cramp. It's actually how they come into the race. And so, if you're depleted in electrolytes, then you're going to um, run the risk of of cramping and and of being um, being um, depleted. So, having said that, yeah, it doesn't mean that um, there are a couple of things you can do with electrolytes if you do cramp to help stop the stop the cramp in its place during the race. So during the race. Yeah, but it's not about um, it's not about making sure that you stay in this electrolyte balance throughout the race necessarily. It's going in. Yes. Um, so um, taking electrolyte supplements over weeks and months ahead of time is what I've found to be best. Um, yeah. I take yep. Elite. I don't know if you know that one or CMD drops in my yep. water every day um, in yep. order to try and hydrate my body because. What I'm seeing in a lot of my athletes is they're dehydrated, not 
as in dehydrated, they haven't drunk enough today, but dehydrated yes. over months and years of drinking too much coffee, alcohol, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, and I think it's almost uh, another one of those, like zinc and, and selenium and those, that we should be taking on a daily basis. What do you think about that? Yeah, no, I like, how, I like your approach, Lisa, and I think that it comes back to that kind of nutrient... Uh, the nutrients in the diet so because we are we are um, uh, if you don't have a good diet and you're not adding a lot of good mineral rich salt like Himalayan salt for example to your food um, and taking care of your hydration needs outside of training then you really do run the risk of being both dehydrated and um, a lack of electrolytes and look I know that you'll read in the media that there's a massive hype around um, taking these mineral rich salts and people just need to get over themselves sorry anti-caking agency with iodine in it oh sorry anti-caking agent yep. what you get in your table salt no good no it's, oh, it's okay. it, it doesn't shine a light to Himalayan salt and, and it's minimal but I think that all the little things that you can do in your diet yep. actually add up to an awesome oh, yeah. diet yep. and I think that's what people need to um, remember um, <clears throat> And if we think about as well, Lisa, the hydration aspect of it, so we used to say that people need to take on board 600 mils of water an hour whilst mm-hmm. they were training, mm-hmm. um, and that was up to, say, a litre of water an hour whilst we were training. But what they found, what, well, one, this, this message was driven by those uh, sports drink companies. Yep, yep. Um, and also hyponatremia, oh, so yes. taking Been on board too much. Too. <laughs> yes, without the, the, so too much fluid and not, and diluting your electrolytes. Right? Yes, yep. Exactly. Um, it can be just as fatal. Just as fatal. So what I, it's, thirst is individual, but upon saying that, um, a, you need to have some measures in places as, a, as an athlete to know how much fluid you're actually losing during a training session. Mm-hmm. And, um, making sure that you um, making sure that you uh, replenish, and so I've got some good techniques that I use with my athletes for that. Okay, yeah, I'd be glad, um, you know, happy to hear about those because, yeah, it is a hard thing to judge, and I have had, you know, obviously dehydration and hyponatremia, and I know hyponatremia is one of the things that they've started talking about in race as race directors and and the medical teams at races. Um, being one of the bigger problems. People are drinking too much and not getting their electrolyte balance right and you can die from that just as much as you can die from the other direction. Yeah, Um, absolutely. So it is a really... And I think that hydration in general, not just during racing and training, um, is the key... one of the key pillars to health. Um, Completely agree. Yeah, and I think that older people, and correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, tend to be dehydrated... And, and so that none of their metabolic processes are actually running correctly because they are, one of the things is dehydrated. Would that be correct? Yeah. Um, certainly for some people, yes. And then yep. it's the other side of it as well. That for some people, they're, they're drinking too much without the electrolytes. Yep. And, they, and there have been some cases of, of older adults being at the other end of the spectrum and being hospitalised for hyponatremia as yeah, well. So it's, right. Yeah, it's... it's, it's um, Can you have it's, too much electrolytes? Like uh, if you're taking, say, electrolyte drops in your water every day, can you overdo it that way? Yeah, I don't think you'd overdo it that way, um, but I believe you could probably have too much of anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. But um, I don't... I. 
but I don't know. I don't know what. Um, I haven't heard of any cases where if you include the electrolytes in your water that that's going to cause an issue. Where there yep. is issues if people um, incorrectly supplement. Yep. And for example, your body is, is quite attuned. Um, there are certain nutrients in the body which both work in synergy but also against each other. Okay. Um, and getting an appropriate balance is important. So zinc and copper, for example. Um, some people, it's sometimes when you suffer from a zinc deficiency, it's not necessarily a zinc deficiency. It is that their, their zinc copper balance is out of whack and they've got too much copper oh. and not enough. And, and that is taking the place of um, where the zinc should be um, should be being taken up by the cells instead yep. copper is being taken up. And so, so Man. it's this, this intricate are, balance with yeah. supplementing. So we are very um, complicated chemical bombs, aren't we? <laughs> we really are. <coughs> Excuse hey, me. Can, can I, if I, and I know, do you know what? You started asking me about talking you through how a, just a metabolically unhealthy person would come in and look at we've tangent. <laughs> oh, yes, but, I know. Sorry, but, we, but, we could talk no, no, for 10 hours, well. Vicky. <laughs> I know, that's me as well. But what I do want to do is, is do that. I'll tell your athletes um, how they can help, how they can figure out what's right for them in terms of their hydration. Yep. So I tell people to um, get a spreadsheet and, um, and put their weight in before a training session. Mm -hmm. um, so record that and then go out and train and also um, record how much fluid they might take on board whilst they're training. And then also um, put their post-training weight in right. as well. So yep. because pretty much the weight that you lose during training is essentially fluid loss. Yep. I mean, there's, a, there's a bit more in there as well, but essentially it's fluid loss. Um, and then when they um, look at how much weight that is and take, take into consideration how much fluid they took in, they can figure out what they need to, to rehydrate after that session. Very simple really, isn't it? It is simple, but, the, but people seldom do it. So for example, <laughs> Lisa, you go out on a run and you might weigh uh, 64 kilos yep. to begin with and then you take on board 500 mils of, of water over two hours but you come back and you are 62.5 kilos yep so you've lost one and a half kilos over that time that you haven't replenished wow yeah so what That's you'd want to do it's quite a, it, what you'd want to do is then drink um, one and a half times that amount to make sure you're fully hydrated. Right, so one and a half times that amount. So that's it. So it's not, not just, just one to one. Not just one to one. No. Because you're going to be sweating after the fact too. Like, you know, often you come out of the gym or training and you, an hour later you're still, you know, your metabolism's going hard out and you're still sweating. Yeah, um, you are. Yep, and, and you can't just do it for one session. It actually makes sense to do it over um, a course of a week and average it out. Right. And also look at the different um, environmental factors. So what happens during winter versus what happens during summer. Yep. Um, what happens during your high-intensity sessions versus what happens during a long run. So you know that if you come in from a... a high intensity session and you know you have a kilo that you typically lose, that you've got to make sure that within four hours you've drank one and a half litres of fluid mm. Mm. with maybe some salt, um, add some lemon lemon juice to it just to help it taste yep. good, but just 
um, make sure you replenish those losses because otherwise you'll go into that next training session um, feeling a little bit flat, a little bit fatigued, mm. and you're not able to do what you want to be doing in it. That's a huge piece of advice right there, I think, um, because, yeah, look, getting ready for your next training session the next day, you want to recover properly, and if you're not rehydrating, it's as important as eating you know, your recovery meal and that type of thing as well, isn't it? Yeah, it is, and oftentimes then people are fatigued and lacking in energy, and so they turn to the bad food choices mm. to give them the lift, or the caffeinated drinks to give mm -hmm. them the lift, whereas actually all they need to do was drink some water with some Himalayan salt in it and they'd be fine. Yeah, um, and I'm probably guilty of doing that occasionally. Oh, yeah, I know. I understand. Aren't we all? <laughs> actually, that brings me to another topic um, and one that I fight with <laughs> and have done my whole life, sugar addiction. Yeah. Um, what is actually happening to our bodies with this addicted to sugar? What is it in? Why... Why is it as hard as giving up cocaine to get rid of this addiction? Yeah, well a, a couple of things is, so sugar cravings stem from um, low blood sugars. So, oh, yep. so basically when your blood sugars drop below normal, your body that, that sends a stress signal to the body that they may not have the energy that's required if they were, if they were going to need it. So we get the cravings which get us to um, something, um, get us to want something sweet to bring your blood sugar levels back to within normal range. Very quickly. But all, yep. Yeah, very, very quickly. And that's the problem is that for most people, they are constantly battling these sugar highs and sugar lows because they're not eating properly. And part of that eating properly isn't necessarily that they've they've had a high sugar food. Sometimes it's just that imbalance in, in macronutrients. So they don't have... Mm. They don't have enough fat and protein to help balance out the carbohydrate they're eating. Because regardless of where, that, where the carbs come from, they'll all be broken down to the same thing, um, yep. which is glucose. Yep. And whenever it's your blood a period of time that it takes to get there, isn't it? That's the important yeah. key. Yeah, it is. And, and particularly um, people who think they're eating healthy and good, so they have the... They, but in a sense, for a lot of people, particularly women, this means under-eating. Yes. So, they have their bowl of special K and trim milk and half a banana in the morning, mm. and then they're and then they're told that they must eat <coughs> me. every three hours to keep their metabolism ticking. Yep. That's absolutely incorrect. You don't have to eat every three hours, but you end up you do because you're under eating. That breakfast has basically got next to no protein or fibre or fat, so your blood sugar levels will rise and then rapidly fall, and then. They need that mid-morning snack because otherwise they'll be in this hypoglycemic yeah. coma by lunch. <laughs> exactly. Um, so it's that lack of nutrient balance which causes sugar cravings or it's that high sugar food. Um, and, and you asked about the whole why is sugar as addictive as cocaine because it feeds into that same reward feedback loop in the brain that cocaine does. And, and kind of brain imaging... Um, has shown this to be the case. Right, so it is that, that just sparks like, okay. the same response, absolutely. And the thing with the reward feedback loop is that um, you may have a little bit, it's like drugs, you may have a little bit, but then you require more of it to get that same response. That's and why one now, biscuit doesn't do it anymore for me. That's, that's the thing, and do you know what, as well, is that it's, it's only certain people, so this is not the general population. Oh this my is God. people. I know, I'm sorry, Lisa, but, do you, but I hope you're okay that I say this, and I'm not surprised that someone like you might struggle with a little bit like this, just because, and I'm not suggesting that you've had a drug problem or an alcohol problem <laughs> or anything like that, but someone who has an addictive 
the personality. Maybe the yeah. personality may struggle a little bit more. Absolutely. And the thing with food is that we have to eat. That's yeah. what makes it hard. Whereas, whereas smoking, for example, um, there's an easier rationale to, to, I guess, to contemplate with smoking is that you don't have to smoke and you know it's bad for you, but you do have to eat and bad food is everywhere. I'd, yeah, and, and it's and constant battle when you're craving so it's not just yeah. willpower and, and things yeah. it's actually a physiological response that you need this or you feel like you need this um, and, I, and I think you're right that the extreme personality side of, of people like me that, are, that do you know extreme events or ultras or whatever um, does make you I, I, if I wasn't doing sport I'm sure I would have done some dumb things in my life you know well, it's, uh, well, it's, it, that yeah. type of addictive personality is definitely there, and I'm lucky I've never done drugs or alcohol or anything like that. So, um, well, it's it's, it's sugar for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and Lisa, the, the interesting thing with so I um, I listen to a guy, Rich Roll, and he is yeah, a, yeah, 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 amazing. Yeah, yeah, he's totally amazing, and he's you know come out of um, drug and alcohol addiction, and now he 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 does this extensive endurance training. Um, that some may say is addictive, but here's a really good point, and this is totally off tangent. And I, but I really loved the way he said this: is that you know, drugs and alcohol numb your brain and numb your mind. Yep. Exercise um, does the exact opposite; it makes you feel. And I think that <laughs> that I think that's really important, and that's why yeah. it really rolls me up when people say that exercise is addictive and it's it's not a positive thing. Um, well, maybe for some people it's not. But it I is. think it's positive too, you know, it's if you're able to addiction. go out. <laughs> yeah, 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 I agree. And it's just balancing it. It's like how we started off this conversation. It's balancing it out in your life so you don't, so it doesn't dig you into a hole. Yeah, and, and I think, um, you know, if I've got to have some sort of addiction, then I'm, I'm glad it's um, um, exercise. Yeah. Not, not so glad about the sugar one, but we're working on that. And <laughs> and it is like the hard thing where sugar is everywhere and it's you don't even not even where you expect it. Um, sugary drinks I think are killing our kids massively. Like we the obesity problem, the diabetes problem, let's just touch on that briefly. Oh um, yeah. You know, that is really a massive, massive problem in our country. It is, and you know, there's it's it's pretty much the I mean, there are a few things going on, and, and I don't want to be kind of glib about it, but it's the accessibility of these foods, mm, and it's cheap. the and they're cheap, and poverty is an issue in New Zealand, oh, and, yeah. and and I think that people underestimate the extent to which it is, and I'm not talking about people who are homeless because obviously that's an issue, or people who, or even really the communities where you've got crowded, um, over, um, over uh, crowded housing and things. Yeah. Crowded housing. It's you know even like kind of, I guess middle New Zealand, if you like, are really struggling to um, to, to have access to good food. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because good good food costs a lot of money. It's a lot easier to go and buy um, some lemonade and some chips and um, some fries th- uh, than it is to go and get a whole lot of vegetables. Um, it can be for some. I yeah. totally agree. It, it is an expense. And I and I think it's people recognizing what is good food is or 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 how to do it to fit into their budget I guess and so buying in season with your fruit and your vegetables mm-hmm. um, yes organic meat would be better but you know what you don't have to buy the premium mints just buy the mints mm-hmm. for most for as I understand it even though there are some issues around some feeding 
um, when in, in some in, in some of the kind of cattle industry, for the most part, our meat is really good in New Zealand. In New Zealand, yeah, we're pretty lucky. It's yeah, grass feed and not grain feed. And That's it. And cheaper cuts of meat that you can so cook over extended periods of time. Um, the packaged rice risotto and the packaged maggi mix might seem like a convenient option, but you know what? Spices are really cheap. Build up your spice rack so you can actually make um, tasty, tasty dishes. food. Yep. And I think that's that's a thing with with um, the younger generation coming through, and even you know, and I guess I, I mean I'm close to forty now, and and I remember home economics, and we did learn how to cook, yep. right? And life was different when I was at school, but mm. nowadays it's it's a thing that a lot of a skill a lot of parents don't have, yep. and the way that it's sold by the food industry is that don't waste your time in the kitchen. You don't have time for that. Here's our meal, you know. <laughs> Stick it but in the microwave and open it. the packet. Yeah. That's it, and we need to actually get back to um, people getting back to think, knowing what's in our food, being able to to learn some simple, basic cooking techniques. I think that's a that's a really important um, thing, which will really go a long way to helping our next generation um, improve their health. Not Absolutely. that it's all over for this one, but <laughs> but it's but hard. It's it's hard to get the real food message across when you've got public health nutrition telling you that you're being um, uh, you're exaggerating and <laughs> yeah, that's it. So it's more about convincing the other people that are coming through. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm hoping to plant my first veggie garden soon in my new house. So um, because I'm starting to realise, you know, the gaps in my education and that type of thing. Um, hey, Mickey, I reckon we could, we could talk for 10 hours and I'd love to do another session with you. Um, we've just scratched the surface on a massive, massive topic. Um, but I'd, I'd like to wrap it up today saying thank you very much. It's Mickey Willardin. If you're wanting nutritional advice, if you want some support, if you want to know how to do it, go to Mickey's website. Mickey, tell us your website and what you do. Yep, sure thing. Thanks, Lisa. Um, so my website is mickeywillardin.com. Uh, where people can um, have uh, nutrition consultations in clinic via Skype, uh, uh, couples for families as well. Um, and I also have an online subscription-based service. Mm -hmm. So people can sign up for an annual cost of around, um, I think it's about $87, and you mm -hmm. get a 28-day um, meal plan a month. It's a, it's a nutrition coaching, wow. essentially, yep. um, and access to me. Um, I'll actually be having some trial subscriptions as well so people can try it for a dollar, see if they like it. That's fantastic um, value, all of that. It, it is, and it's... Do you know what? It's because I know that, that not everyone can come to see a nutritionist or have yep. access to services like me, so I just want to make it as accessible as possible. And I'm on Facebook, and I love interacting with people on Facebook and just putting good real food, sensible practical advice out there yep. um, that is evidence-based yet also acknowledging that within the evidence base there is um, individual variation and, and, and lifestyle. we can't yeah. ignore that exactly. Exactly. Yeah. We've got to make it livable, doable and if people are just making little changes it's better than nothing, isn't it? Oh look, it's not about perfection, it's about progress. Absolutely. Hey, thanks, Mickey, for talking to me today and for sharing your your very valuable insights. I'm I'm hoping that we'll get to work on some projects together in the future. Um, I think we will. We will. We will definitely do that. So thanks very much. That's MickeyWillardin.com. Go and visit Mickey online, and uh, we'll be talking to you again in the future. I'm sure. Thanks so much, Lisa. It's lovely talking. 
You've been listening to Pushing the Limits, brought to you by Running Hot Coaching, your online health and fitness coaching platform. For more information, visit us at www.runninghotcoaching.com.